You are listening to the Passion City Church podcast. To learn more about Passion City Church, including our gathering times in Atlanta and Washington, D.C., visit us online at passioncitychurch.com. Today's talk comes from Pastor Louis Giglio. The title is, May I Have Your Attention, Please. In the old days, anybody remember the old days? Anybody? You're like, how old? I mean, like the old, old days. Anybody remember Tom Brokaw on the news or Walter Cronkite or one of these legendary voices? And when something major happened in the world, whatever you were watching on television, they would break into it. We are interrupting your regularly scheduled program with an important announcement. And I mean, the whole world now is just shutting down till we get this important news. Eventually, we moved on from that to where we figured out how to just make it scroll across the bottom, right? So you could keep watching your program, but you could see down below there's a thunderstorm coming or there's an advisory of some kind or the World Cup score just changed or whatever news they want, you know, is coming across the bottom. Now there are so many things oftentimes on there we don't even notice them, but breaking in with an important announcement, this is what God is trying to do today. In fact, that's what God's always trying to do. It stuns me to think that God has to get our attention. He's got a lot of ways of getting our attention, but why don't we just give God our attention? I'm I'm wondering, why don't we wake up in the morning and go, okay, God, you've got my attention today. Because you are running the universe and I'm not, so I want to be dialed into you. But that's not the way humanity works. And so God constantly is breaking into our story with important announcements about life, about who we are, about what he created us to be and how he wants us to live. And not any more important than the announcement that we're gonna see today. We're in obviously the Christmas story, still in this journey of talks called Still, the tagline of this collection being when wonder erupts in worship. And that happens again in Luke chapter two. In the first few verses, Jesus is born. I think you know that Uh, eventually a census went out and was going to be taken. So Joseph went up from Nazareth and he went to Bethlehem because he was of the house of David. And there, Mary, who was expecting a baby, she gave birth to the baby and they wrapped him in cloths and put him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. If you didn't know that, that's Luke chapter two, when Jesus is born. God has done the miracle of miracles. He has found a way to birth deity in humanity. And it's happened in a quiet moment that nobody knows about. And so he needs to get everybody's attention and he needs to make this important announcement. And that's what happens beginning in verse eight. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby. Now, switch out of um, someone playing a little jazz piano in the background and the fireplace roaring and the kids running around in their matching pajamas and just switch into the moment for a second. There were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, nearby to Bethlehem. And they were keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them And the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Today, in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying 
in a manger. Suddenly, a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace to men on whom his favor rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what, they, what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned. Here comes the erupting in worship part, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. A few things I want us to see in this text today, and then we're going to have an opportunity as a house today to move in to generosity, not just generosity for our house. And yes, we've already mentioned that in the giving today, but generosity through our house to the people of earth. The first thing I want you to see, and I want to remind us today that this announcement came to the shepherds. And we all know that in the story because they're on the Christmas card and they're a part of the backdrop of our Christmas. But it's important that you know that this is very significant in the story. So if you don't know the story of the shepherds, the shepherds would be the lowest class. The shepherds were uh, t tending to the sheep, which meant they were ceremonially unclean. So if they went into Jerusalem, which was nearby, and they went up to the temple to worship, they wouldn't let the shepherds in because they had all of the yuck of the sheep all over their lives. And so these shepherds are doing the work of raising the sheep that are going to be the sacrifice in worship, but they themselves can't even go in to worship. And so when the announcement is going to be made, when God is saying to the world, may I have your attention, please, where is that announcement going to be made? To the richest people in town? To the people on the top end of the spectrum in town? No, God is choosing to make his announcement to those who would be called the low class of this world. Like, well, why does that matter to me today? It matters to you today because according to that great theologian, Garth Brooks, uh, God's got friends in low places. <laughs> First response we've gotten, by the way, in the talk today was Garth Brooks and friends in low places. I got my theologians mixed up in the earlier gathering, uh, and I don't know what was going through my mind, but um, I said that, that great theologian, uh, Kenny Rogers, and everyone laughed, and then there was all these people saying, no, it's Garth Brooks, it's Garth Brooks, and I was like, yeah, I kind of got my wires crossed a little bit, and uh, we got it all worked out and straightened out, so it, it's good to know your theologians, right? You got to keep everything straight, because you got to know when to hold them, and got to know when to fold them, and see, those are... <laughs> Those are sister songs in the, in the theological universe. They actually, you know, could partner up into one great mashup hit. God has got friends in low places. And maybe in the gathering today, you're thinking, if God made a world-changing, history-changing announcement, he would not make it to me. 
because I don't even know if I'm on the radar anymore with God. But I want you to know today that the God of heaven who does miracles that no one else can do, that God has a word for you. And you may feel like you're too far away, like you're too far down, that you are too far out for God. But God's making a point here today. When you can't make it into worship where he is, he can bring the worship to where you are. When you can't get close to the altar of God, he can bring the altar of God right to where you are. And he's wanting to do that for someone in this gathering today. The second thing I want you to notice is this, that there was awe and wonder in the birth of Jesus Christ. And I'm praying that that will be rekindled in me this year, that I won't just kind of waltz my way through Christmas. But I'll remember that when the announcement was made of the birth of Jesus, that they were terrified when the glory of God shone all around them, it wasn't dun 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 No, it was when God showed up and the announcement was made at the birth of Christ, these shepherds saw the glory of God around them and they were terrified. And the angel says for the third time in two short chapters in Luke's account of the gospel, don't be afraid. That angel had the message, and we're going to see that in just a moment. But the angels of heaven, imagine what they were thinking in this moment. Because do you understand? I don't know if we've ever really backed up at Christmas and really processed it. But in this moment of the birth of Christ, the throne of the king of the universe is vacant. And so the angels of heaven are going, where is Christ? And they're not functioning in the whole story. We know that from the text we're about to read. They didn't get a printout or an email describing fully what God was doing. The angels are functioning in their celestial roles. And all of a sudden, the king of glory is not on his throne. And I, I can't really get into the conversation among angels, but in their thinking, there's some kind of processing going on where is the king of kings. Well, I don't know. I've heard that he's in a human womb. What? I know. Well, why is he in a human womb? Because he's going to be born in human flesh. What? Why? So that the father can bring the rebels home. Why would he do that? Why would he just tell them, have it your way? Because he loves them and he created them for a relationship with himself. Well, then why doesn't he just bring them home? Look around. They couldn't live here in this holy place. There's got to be a, a work done. And the king has left his throne to do the only thing that can be done. Can you imagine the angels? We just have all the angels around the throne and it's glory and it's Christmas and everybody's happy. You know, the angels of heaven are, they're looking into the story going, what in the world is happening? Now the angel had the message, but the angels, not really sure. Look at the way Peter wrote this. Some of you are like, I'm not tracking with you fully. Peter in first Peter chapter one, he says it this way, talking about salvation that was foretold by the prophets. He said, concerning this salvation, the prophets who spoke of the grace that was to come to you 
searched intently and with greatest care, trying to find out the time and circumstances to which the Spirit of Christ in them was pointing when he predicted the sufferings of Christ and the glories that would follow. In other words, even the Old Testament prophet who makes an announcement about the work of God coming through Christ doesn't fully understand exactly how all this is going to come together. But then look in the next verse, verse 12. It was revealed to them that they were not serving themselves, but you when they spoke of the things that have now been told you by those who have preached the gospel to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven. And this phrase, this is the one, even angels long to look into these things. In other words, the angels are trying to fully grab onto the announcement that's being made, glory to God in the highest and peace on earth among men on whom his favor rests. What are we saying? What does this mean? What does all this ultimately look like? I found recently just thinking through this and digging a little bit, the painting of the Last Supper, not the famous one that we all know, but one by Tintoretto was painted in 15. 90, and in this particular painting, you see all the normal characters in the Last Supper, but Tintoretto also paints angels on the ceiling peering in from heaven at Jesus breaking the bread at the table. And the looks, the countenance, the stooping down to see what is going on. I pray that some of that awe and some of that wonder will be stirred up in me again and in us again as we walk through this Christmas season. The third thing I want you to see is that the announcement was something that God had already done. Today, a baby has been born. I'm, I'm, I'm letting you know what God has already done. Why is that important today? Because a lot of you are wondering, where is God in my story? And I'm telling you, I can't explain it all, but I know this. I know God is on the case, and I know God is doing more than you think he's doing. And at some point, an announcement's going to be made. And when the announcement is made, you're going to realize, oh, God was at work. God was working. No one knew that God was working, but God was doing a miracle. Nobody knew the baby's going to be born today. But God's like, I got a plan. And I've told you from hundreds of years before that I'm going to bring forth a Savior. And guess what? May I have your attention, please? I just did what I said I was going to do. I just fulfilled what I had promised. And I know there's been a long gap of silence, but I've been working the whole time. And some of you just need to hear that today. God's doing more than you know in your story right now. The fourth thing I want us to know today is this was an all points bulletin. In other words, when the angel said, I've got good news of great joy for all the people, he was saying, this is a global story. I just want us to remember that today. Jesus wasn't born at Macy's. No knock on Macy's. He was born in Bethlehem. Currently, in one of the Palestinian-occupied territories. At the moment of his birth, smack in the Middle East is where the story of the gospel arrived. 
This is not an American story. It's not a Western story. It is a global story. It is good news of great joy for all the people on planet Earth. And God picked the crossroads of the ancient world, literally the crossroads of the ancient world, to make the most important announcement that's ever been made, the 12 words of Christmas, a savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. And then the announcement, glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace among men on whom his favor rests. Not world peace, that has not happened since the announcement, but peace in a troubled heart on a broken earth among the men on whom his favor rests. The fifth thing I want you to see is that when these angels arrive, we realize that heaven is multilingual. You're like, what are you talking about? Well, they didn't actually, the angels say glory to God in the highest because had they said glory to God in the highest, the shepherds wouldn't have understood them because newsflash, the shepherds didn't speak English. No, have you ever thought through this? You're like, well, surely they spoke English because the shepherds said glory to God in the highest. No, they spoke uh, Aramaic, very close to Greek, and the angel, therefore, wanting to announce to them what God had done, spoke to them in their language. So if you were there, you would have heard the angel say, Doxa, in hypsistios, theokai epiges, erene, in anthropois, eudokias. It's like that doesn't have the same lilt to it, you know, that glory to God in the highest. I don't know if Beethoven could work with that. <laughs> the official language of heaven, I know, is not English. You're like, well, what are we going to do when we get there? <laughs> it's a good question. Because heaven is multilingual. And the angels are miraculously multilingual. And when they appear to make the announcements of the grand story of God, they speak to people in the language that they understand. I love it. I love it. The sixth thing that I want us to see in this story is, is that the only way we know about this great announcement is because we read about the great announcement. Unless you were there. Maybe you were there. I don't want to, you know, suppose. Anybody heard the angel say glory to God in the highest? No. Anybody's relative tell them you were, they were there? No. Anybody seen the YouTube of the angel coming down and saying glory to God in the highest? It's, you saw it on TikTok? It's an angel doing an angel dance. Was that awesome and amazing? The only way we know about the moment in history where God said, may I have your attention, please, is because we read about it. Because Luke not only was an amazing physician, he was incre an incredible historian. 
And so in his account of the gospel of Luke and of Acts, we have the greatest history of the beginnings of our faith. And so Luke then is doing the work. He's interviewing the shepherds. He's saying, what happened that night? I've heard, but you tell me what went down that night. He's talked to Mary. He's talked to Joseph. He's gotten all of his reports filled out. And so then when he writes the account of the great announcement, we know and we can depend on the account of history that tells us about the greatest announcement made to humanity because we read about it. Not because we actually heard it. Which brings us to the seventh important thing in the text. That's great news. Unless you're one of the one billion people on planet Earth who do not have scripture in your language. And then you can't read about the great announcement that there's good news of great joy, and it's for all the people, including the people who don't have an account of the good news in their heart language to read and discover for themselves. And that brings us to the amazing part of today where we're gonna get to move as a house together in generosity to make a major difference in that reality. There are 8 billion people on planet Earth right now. One out of every eight people on this planet does not have scripture in their heart language. Right now, current modern world, they do not have a digital version of the Bible in their heart language that they can just dial up to. They do not have a printed Bible in their heart language. Not just a language or two, 3,617 languages are without the scripture in their language right this moment. So the fact that we can read the announcement is phenomenal, but the fact that a billion people can't is something that God wants you and me to be about. And we're gonna be about that together. We're living in the greatest time in history. That's the eighth thing I want you to know today if you're still taking notes is that help is on the way. So you can say to the 3,617 languages, help is on the way. We're working on it. God's working on it. I know we haven't got there yet. I know you can't open the pages today, but we're working on it. God's working on it. Help is on the way. And we can be a part of that. There is a global explosion of gospel-centered Bible translation happening right now that is unprecedented. And you and I have been a part of it and we're gonna continue to be a part of it. Starting today, we are gonna see God do through our church something extraordinary. In the past, we've already leaned in. Uh, Passion, both passions at Mercedes-Benz Stadium, we leaned into Bible translation, partnering with Illuminations, and specifically the 12-verse challenge. But before that, our house was giving through above and beyond gifts to the seed company who are doing fast track, advanced speed Bible translation. And we've given a lot over the years. And when you combine it all together, Passion and Passion City Church, we've already invested $3,875,161 in the process of bringing the word of God to the whole world. That's us as a family being able to translate the entire Bible into three and a half languages. So we took down three and a half languages off the the list at the time 
And we want to continue to do that by launching a new initiative today, right here and right now, called To the Ends of the Earth. And To the Ends of the Earth isn't just going to be a Christmas concern for us. This is going to be a multi-year mission for us as a church into the future. The hope of this mission is that every family, every person at Passion City Church, every single person will be personally invested in the translation of God's word into a remaining language so that the end may come. So that glory may come to God and peace may come to men, but not just Passion City doing it on an above and beyond Sunday, not just Passion Conference doing it on a big scale at one of our gatherings, but every individual, every person, every mom, every dad, every middle schooler, every passion kid, every bloom kid going, our family is a part of taking God's word to the ends of the earth. And we're starting that today, but it's a mission that we're going to be on into the future. And the way that every person can be a part is simple. It's called the 12 verse challenge. How does that work? Well, for Shelly and me and a lot of you, you've already stepped into that. You make a commitment. We're going to give $35 a month, and that $35 is going to fund the translation of a verse of Scripture. So the first month we give, that's a verse. You do that for an entire year, the 12-verse challenge, guess what? You just funded the translation of God's Word across the year for 12 verses of Scripture. And you're going to get connected to an incredible process. Uh, You're going to get emails that are going to encourage you. You're going to be on the journey with us eventually. There's going to be some kind of uh, artistic rendering of this at our locations where we're going to see our progress, see what God's doing, and we're going to be able to journey together across the months and across the years, seeing the impact of what God can allow us to do. But in this Christmas season, here's our goal. We want to translate or fund the translation of the four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, into just one language. So that portion of scripture into one language is our Christmas season goal. That's $132,265 given or committed in the 12 verse challenge. Well, I have some good news for you. At the 930 gathering, we blew past that goal. So that's done now and amazing. I'm telling you, we're living in the most blessed place on earth in America. Everyone in America, even the people struggling in America. We're living in the most blessed place on the planet in this country. And to be in a gathering like this and worship like this and see something happen like that, in like 15 minutes that happened. I'm telling you we're a part of a remarkable time in history. And the collection of translation organizations under the banner of Illuminations now can see light ahead of them and they're telling us that by 2033, Every remaining language will have some portion of Scripture in that language in 10 years from now. And so we're at the right place at the right time. And God is saying, this is what I'm doing, and I would love for you to join me in it. There's a QR code going to come on the screen, and some instructions for a website. That's what I wanted you to have your phone nearby for. And I know some of you will want to pray about this and you'll want to rethink your finances and maybe make some adjustments. And you've got time to do that uh, this month, the the months to come. But some of you already know that you don't really need to pray about it. You can 100% 
commit to $35 a month to fund the translation of a verse of scripture. And to pray about it would be ridiculous because you'd be asking God if God wants you to help fund the translation of his word. He's going to say yes. <laughs> the only question would be, what are we going to have to adjust or modify so that we can be a part of that? But some of you, it's just a simple yes. And for some of you, it's not just you, but it's you and your wife. And you can do two verses a month. And so you can both sign up or you can sign up and take two verses a month. For some of you, you want your kids to be involved already. You want to talk about this at Christmas, and you want to say, hey, our family's doing four verses a month this year. We've committed to the 12-verse challenge for everyone in our family this year. And you're going to hear more about this in the months and the years ahead. We're going to talk about how translation happens. You're going to meet people here in our gatherings that are actually doing the translation work. You're going to hear more specifically about people groups and the languages that don't have scripture. You're going to see all of this come to light in amazing ways over the next few years. This is a long arc, remember, but we're starting today. So we passed our goal at 9.30, so why not do Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John in two languages then, and not just in one? Because we already did one, so let's go for two. And if you can do the second one, then next week we'll come back and do the Gospels in a third language. And maybe our online friends will join us, and maybe they'll help us do the four Gospels in a fourth language. And in time, we're going to see God invite us into something absolutely stunning and amazing. What I want you to know today, and this is the ninth thing, that you personally can help get this announcement to people. You don't have to join Bible translation, move to another corner of earth to personally be a part of blank pages coming to life. In all of our gatherings today, when you came in, you saw a large blank book. Because we need to wrap our minds and hearts around the fact that that's reality. Notice that when you leave today, that's reality for a billion people. That's their Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. That's their Psalms and Proverbs. That's their book of Romans. That's their revelation. Just blank pages in 2022. But thank God, technology's moving fast. And what used to take 100 years now can happen in a matter of years. And people are marshaled and mobilized. Funds are being given at an extraordinary rate. Teams are collaborating. Synergy is happening. Churches are awakening. Christians are getting involved. And something as simple but practical and helpful as the 12-verse challenge gave every human being a doorway to walk through and say, I'm funding Bible translation. I'm funding God's word and the great announcement of all announcements to the world. There's a Greek, a Hebrew word in the Old Testament for worship. It's the word avodah. And avodah, can you say avodah with me? Avodah. Feels like we're, we're a little multilingual today. Avodah. It means worship in the Old Testament. But if you look up avodah, the way the definition comes out is worship, comma, work, comma, service. 
In other words, God didn't delineate. He didn't say, oh, worship, singing songs of praise, honoring God, blessing God, lifting our hands to God, a word. Oh, work, serving, different word. Worship, one world, work, a different world. What you do on Sunday or in your alone time with God, that's one thing, but what you do at your desk at work, that's another thing. No, he says, avodah, worship, work, work, worship. What, why? Because most of us spend most of our time at our work. Praise God. I mean, all this employment, unemployment, all the things that are happening in the workplace right now. Listen, the most important thing God did to mankind was to give them meaningful work. So you got to find meaningful work. That's not an economic commentary. That is why you were created. You have a gift, an aptitude, an ability, something that you are good at so that you can contribute to the common good of planet Earth and the people who live on this planet. You got a reason and a purpose. There is something in you that God has wired you for. And he did that with Adam and he did it with Eve and he did it with you. They had work and we have work. Not so the economy can move along, but so that we can contribute our unique gift to the world. So ask God, if you don't know, what is my meaningful contribution to planet Earth? And if that is what God has given you, and you spend 20, 30 minutes in corporate worship every week, but you spend 30 to 50 hours at your desk, where is your primary place of worship then? It's at your desk. Avodah. The way I'm going to do what God's wired me to do is going to be a gift of praise to Almighty God. Oh, I may get no applause from my coworkers, but I'm telling you one thing I'm going to light up heaven today. I may not get the top recognition from my company today, but I'm going to get the attention of heaven today because avodah is my worship. My work is my worship. The way I do my job, the way I carry myself, the way I treat the people around me is my way of shining a light and saying glory to God in the highest and peace to everybody working around me today on whom God's favor rests. Avodah. And that's the beauty of what we're stepping into today. Maybe God would say, I would love it if you would sing me another song at the end of the gathering today. But I would also love it if you would help me get my word to people today. That would resound through heaven. Do you hear my people worshiping? I don't know. I don't hear any music. You know, no, there is no music. They're all signing up for the 12 verse challenge. Praise God. When wonder, whether it was Mary's, she stored up all these things in her heart, whether it was the shepherds going, what in the world is going on? We gotta go see what is this thing? When wonder erupts in worship, this is what we're all about. So I just wanna invite us in and I wanna welcome you. Isn't it awesome that you got here today because you got here at the beginning today. You can always say, I was there at the very beginning of to the ends of the earth. I was there at the very first day 
that we took the very first step as Passion City Church to say we're going to do everything we can by the grace of God to bring as many verses as we can for the glory of God. Thank you for leaning in with us. You're an incredibly generous house. And thank you for leaning in with us. If you were encouraged by today's talk, be sure to rate us and hit subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, and wherever you stream your podcasts. To experience other talks, videos, and live gatherings, visit us online at passioncitychurch.com or download the Passion Movement app. And again, thanks for listening to the Passion City Church Podcast.